All right, we're gonna go here in three, two, one. Welcome back everyone who's dedicated to this podcast. I appreciate the listeners and to my Twitter group out there, hashtag run and rant. I'm glad that you're on board. Today is a special day, season two, and we're starting it off with a bang. CEO, Alan Williamson. Alan, can you uh, say hi and introduce yourself? Yeah, lovely to have the opportunity to be on this podcast. Um, I'm Alan Williamson. I'm very honoured and privileged to be the CEO of Talim Education. Very excited to take up this role. Awesome. I'm going to get right into it. It must have been a busy summer or, I don't know, a nervous summer, an anxious summer. Just You can put in your own words. How was your summer and how are you ready to get started here with Talim and specifically at Raha today. Yeah, I mean, it was, first of all, pleasure to be in hashtag Epic Raha. Oh, nice. Uh, second time uh, in the school. It's a fantastic school. I'm sure we might cover that later. So, yeah, summer was interesting because didn't really have much of a break. Um, left my previous organisation and came over to Talim on a transition uh, process managed to get myself off to Vienna, which is a beautiful city, lovely imperial city, and every year for the past 25 years I have uh, climbed mountains in Scotland are called Munros, and uh, with a group of uh, people I went to university with a a long, long time ago, we are now doctors, lawyers, teachers, Um, every year we've gathered uh, we've never missed it unless someone's ill or, or has a really important uh, event in their life. And we walk into the hills, go wild camping, go up mountains. Uh, and the interesting thing this year was the weather, Scottish weather, you get about two days of sunshine a year. And that's consistent. Uh, that's always the case. Well, I'm exaggerating. Yeah, there, yes. there is some nice weather in Scotland. But this year it was three degrees uh, in the middle of July and blowing a gale and actually for the first time ever in a Scottish mountain I was physically blown over <laughs> off my feet um, so that, that was interesting um, then back to Dubai uh, and uh, full on with the central office side of the job uh, and then I had the pleasure of being out and about in the schools at the end of the summer term and spent most of the first week having the pleasure again of going around staff and and principals have been very kind and given me 10-15 minutes at at a staff meeting to introduce myself uh, and some of the some of the objectives I have for the years ahead. Right Um, well I could say I had the pleasure of being there and definitely uh, you know how to take a stage (laughs) I thought for a second I remember talking to some staff about it because you had you had a kind of a funny joke when you talked about when students listen to you kind of as headmaster Uh, do you always go with that one is that like a is that a no I I, I suppose you could say it's a standard one no no, genuinely because it was a large auditorium at the the Raha that famous story is that you know I I don't like carrying a microphone around a stage Uh, so I've got a loud voice, as, uh, listeners are hearing. And uh, so obviously if you're at the back, I did genuinely test whether people could hear me at the back and in a very different context to Raha in a state school a long, long time ago when I was headmaster 
I did say that, can you hear me at the back, and one of the badly behaved boys at the front said, well, if they can't, can I please get there in, in a very loud <laughs> voice? So, yeah, that was a good story. Yeah, I loved it. Um, I want to get right into the first thing, and it has to do with the topic of goals, but it is your goals here when it comes to Talim and where, where the company's headed and where the schools are headed, but also your own personal goals. And do those things mix? Uh, or do you look at them differently? Do you have things that you just kind of set aside for yourself that have nothing to do with coming to work? I think when you're a teacher or a school leader or a CEO of a schools group, that you're driven by a sort of self, a self belief that you want to do the best for children and I think that if you treat that as a 8 o'clock to 3 o'clock job then you won't last long in teaching and you won't last long in school leadership and you won't last long as, as a CEO of a schools group. Um, for certain my role is the, is the business side of the company yep. but um, as I've been saying to staff over the last couple of weeks I think we uh, people like me, CEOs of, of education groups, overcomplicate the business side of uh, our role because fundamentally if schools are amazingly happy places and children are happy, and teachers are happy, then parents will become happy. Right. Uh, they then go to what we in the business world would describe the market in this context that might be parent coffee mornings, it might be dinner parties, and they say, you know, my daughter loves Dubai British School, my sure. daughter loves Raha, my daughter loves Uptown, and uh, then other parents want to know about that school, come on a tour and feel the ethos and atmosphere that you do when you cross the campus gate in a lot of the Talim schools, you can feel uh, how positive they are. So... Uh, you know, I, what I'm basically trying to say is jobs like CEO of a schools group or being an art teacher in Raha is a vacation, a vocation, not a vacation. <laughs> that was my Scottish accent there. And you're driven by more than just a, an eight to three job. You're driven by more than just money. You're driven by more than just your package. You, you're really in it for the children. Um, and as you've heard me say, I genuinely believe that it's an, it's an honour and a privilege to teach other people's children, your children, yep. um, and that you should teach those children with the same passion and the same inspiration uh, that you would want your own children taught by another teacher. And I've been a teacher a long, long time ago, then you know, a head of department, a vice principal, principal, etc. And that drive to do the best for children's never really changed and I suppose if to answer your question even at CEO level you have to be values driven um, now obviously in the tough commercial capitalist world that I work in less than the teachers um, some of those values have to be compromised at times to still try to deliver the best possible outcomes for the schools, for the school leaders, for the staff, for the children in those schools. So it, it does become different, but again, 
to, to summarise your questions, I, I think that I would like to think that some of the, a lot of the passion and inspiration and values that I put into being a CEO also comes across in Alan Williamson, the person. I, I don't think, um, maybe my friends and family would tell you otherwise. I'll, that I'll make sure to get yeah, them on the next episode. <laughs> please don't. <laughs> um, that I'm radically different in out with the shut and tie than in the shut and tie. Right, okay. And I think that leads nicely into first impressions or the idea, I don't know if you've read the book Blink, but that idea that you can kind of capture the essence of something very quickly when you see it. And it's kind of when you walk onto the Raha campus, um, the old CEO, Roz Marshall, um, said it nicely, that there was a soft power, that there was something when you came on through the smile of something or through a handshake or whatever it was, you couldn't actually pinpoint. So it made it hard to give it to another school, but you could feel it, just like mm. you had mentioned, you can feel it on many Tallinn campuses. I could sense or I could feel from you that you were very passionate or into the sports. Um, can you talk about that for a second? Where does that passion come from? And maybe I'm wrong, maybe I misread it, but also then how can we get that passion out from the rest of the Talim family so that we can mm -hmm. all benefit from those things that everyone's truly passionate about? I, I think there's two topics in that sure. question. I, I, I want to pay tribute to Roz. I should have done that earlier in the podcast because she made the transition extremely successful for me. Um, there was a famous British admiral, take the UK history here, who uh, in terms of his fleet, he would say when you walk onto a battleship you smell and feel that it's right. Right. And uh, you know I, I, I think it, when you meet someone that chemistry comes over. When you walk onto a school campus you feel that. Uh, you feel the energy of the children. You feel the positive buzz. You feel the the morale of the staff very very quickly. And, and there's a I'd be interested in your opinions on this, but there's always an argument at head teacher principal level about how long do you need to be in a classroom before you can make a judgment or a self-evaluation of a lesson. Okay. And, you know, people would say you need to be in 20 minutes. Some people would say you need to be in 60 minutes because you need to see the plenary, the middle, and, and the, the formative end of the lesson. Sometimes when you walk into a classroom and you see the learning, it takes two minutes yeah. to see that these children are inspired by the learning, that the questioning from the teachers deep and challenging, that the work that the students are producing, whether it's in an art room or an Arabic room or an English room, is, is outstanding. And, uh, you know, others would say, Alan, you're far too gut reaction. Mm, okay. um, imagine judging someone at interview on that basis, that yep. within two minutes you think, I want this person. The next person might be extremely nervous about the interview, but might be fantastic 20 minutes in. Sure. So you have to temper your gut reaction with evidence and data. But certainly the Talim schools, a lot of them, when you walk in, you get that instant feeling. And I think the, the way the Raha campus is set up with this like university type feel, it's sure. and the, even just little things like the coffee caravan when you come in the the front, it's amazing. 
Um, you talked about my background, and uh, yes, uh, one of the things you know I, I asked Mark Allstaff to consider is how many inspired and passionate teachers they had. And I would, as, as people are listening to this podcast, I'd, I'd ask them to ask that question. Throughout your schooling, whether it's university, school, elementary, how many outstanding, inspired and passionate teachers made a difference to you? And you know now that the answer is about two on sure, average when you yeah. speak at a conference, which is embarrassing for our profession. We see 60 to 65 teachers in our schooling. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, we could, sure. uh, like all that audience said two. And so I suppose to reflect on my two, they would have been sports teachers. Right. They, w- they were teachers that whether it was intrinsic to me or whether I was motivated by it, they, they made the difference and they made me want to play sport. Uh, and I did play sport, a variety of sports, and I, I played uh, sport to a, a fairly high level in one sport, rugby union. Um, but I actually, after a serious injury, well, I claim it's a serious injury, it might have been a chronic lack of talent, I don't okay. know. Um, but I went on to be a referee, an umpire, um, and I, I actually had the pleasure of travelling the world. Wow, okay. Um, I refereed at age grade World Cups, etc., etc. So it, that transformed my life in, in many ways. And I think sport, art, uh, drama, the, these activities have the ability to transform children's lives. And I would push on to that. And I like how this thing is kind of flowing when you said now the average was two people that really have made an impact uh, in the lives of a child when you kind of get older and you think about them. And mine were also sports related. I was a runner in, I was a swimmer when I was young and then when I didn't grow, as some of the listeners may know, I switched over into a, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> into another, another discipline, uh, cross-country running, where my coaches became those memorable figures that helped me. And they didn't just help me uh, out running through the woods or how to pace myself through a five-kilometer race but also what I was doing in the classroom and making sure, hey, are, is everything okay with your English class? And, and some of them even pushed through into when I was uh, in university. And I would consider them mentors. Mm. And I wondered, I'm sure you must be a mentor to, to someone or to a large group of people uh, with your experience. And do you also have a mentor? Is there someone that you still call to um, yeah. for advice? One of the things that's important to me is that I never give the impression to a teaching staff that the only value that a principal or a CEO or a director of education would have is if you're promoted, that if you you know become a principal teacher or a director or, or a principal, you haven't made it. Because I actually admire hugely and have many friends who have just stayed in the classroom. Sure. And I think uh, to just stay in the classroom and be the best possible practitioner that you possibly can be is hugely admirable. But in relation to mentoring, I, I, I think that one of the judgments on someone's success or not is, is after they've left whatever role, whether it's head of department or leader of a school, does, does that school continue? Does that department continue on its journey to excellence that I've been talking about? Um, so people who have worked for me 
have also became heads of department, they've also became vice principals, they've also became principals, they've also became directors of education. Um, so I would think over the course of my professional career, while not formally calling myself a mentor, sure. it's a fairly... I've been around a long time, as you know, chalk and talk. But, okay. um, <laughs> you know, in the past you didn't call it mentoring and coaching, but you were doing it naturally. Okay. Right. And, and, and so, you know, I'm very proud to say that members of my leadership teams, past in the plural, have become principals, uh, etc. Um, do I have a mentor? I think my mentor has changed over time. You know, I think my father was very influential. Um, he didn't go to university, but wanted me to go to university. He was well-read um, and came from a, a religious background. Um, but he was inspirational to to my early days, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Um, uncles and things like that. I had an uncle who joined the Royal Marine, and it's a far longer story for this podcast, <laughs> but I, I was originally... I'll have you back. Author, yeah, well, well, maybe not. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you look, look at the hits on it, maybe not. Um, yeah, I was originally an officer in the Royal Navy, which is a, a long story, um, but that was obviously an influence on me from his career in the Royal Marines. And, and then when you get into the sporting world, your, your captain or your coach, uh, you know, I could count on several of them who, right. were, who were mentors uh, and teachers. And then I remember being a very, very young principal. Um, I, I was a principal way, way too early in my career. I don't, I don't know, 35, 36 years old. Okay. And I remember in that locality there was probably 10 or 12 principals and I walked into the room and they were all these bearded grey men <laughs> and, and you know I was this uh, young upstart around the table but these, and they were men which is tragic when you think back and it's so good that women are now uh, around head teacher tables principal teachers uh, tables but these, I remember these guys with uh, lots of experience and expertise coaching me through those early days when sure. sometimes being a principal can be a lonely job you know yeah. Ian won't admit to this because he's around the campus smiling he's got such energy it's amazing but when your mass results don't come through or when your student enrollment doesn't come through your CEO's on top of you and saying you know why are you not delivering and right. I think if the art department's not delivering, you've got you know an incredible colleague in this mass department you can bounce ideas off or your primary leadership team. Shout out to Lise Farquhar. Exactly, shout out. Yeah. But I think sometimes when you're in a leadership role, it can become lonely. And, and I, one of the great things in Tallinn is that I know the principals network with each other. Right. And they are there to celebrate each other's achievements, to, but to be a shoulder to lean on when um, people like me are saying the performance is not good enough. All right. Well, we are uh, going to wrap this up. Time flies when you're having fun, right? <laughs> so we only have two more points. This one uh, is going to be a shout out to the, the Twitter community, which I think is 
hugely important nowadays for teachers getting online and accessing resources, connecting with people, and you can do it as little as, as much as you want. So I encourage people to jump online and access that. I know I'm not the first person to say that to you. Is uh, the topic of the week that some educators are sharing, and it's the idea of 2030. It was posed to me by the principal here at our head of primary, Michael Beatty, the idea of 2030, a number, a year, and what does that look like? What does that mean? And just briefly, what, what do you think we should be looking towards 2030? How do we prepare the kids? Or how, what does that year mean to you? Well, I suppose that there's a like, phrase going around education at the moment uh, that's challenging for all educators, that we're teaching children at the moment for jobs that don't exist. Mm, sure. uh, and the best story of What's that, that... Andrew Yang running for president, yeah. right? There we go. <laughs> yeah. Go for it. Um, the best story for that for me is when I grew up in the UK, and it's very UK-centric, this story, we, we used red phone boxes. They were these famous yep. you know, British phone boxes. So um, if I wanted my father to come and pick me up because I was in the next village, I would have to go to a phone box and put 10 pence in it. Sure. Um, and then we went through these big mobile phones that you know people were carrying about that are bigger than their their body and, and now none of us can operate without a, a smartphone. That's right. Um, Wi-Fi is down and we are on you, Richard. That's how it works here at Raha International <laughs> School. Back to chalk and talk. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, if, if you look at my lifetime, the incredible journey of technology has, has transformed lives, I think, for the better. What's it going to be like for the next generation? Wow, you know, awe and wonder. We, we've no idea. One of the things that I would say is I think it will be a better world. There's a lot of doom and gloom about the world, but I think the, the generations that we're teaching and that passion for the environment um, is going to sort the world. So that would connect me into my second point, is that someone who's well into the upper ages of life is not the right person to determine what the world will be in 2030. I would put that in the hands of a grade 3 class or a grade 2 class and throw in at the beginning of the lesson that big question, you know, what, what will the world look like? What will innovation look like? Because in the Middle East, the uh, schools are obsessed with innovation. You know, what is it technology? But for me, just give k children a, a, a big question or just leave a bit of plasticine in the middle of a table or five sheets of white paper and some uh, glue. Don't do anything. Just step back as a teacher and watch Sounds what like they do. Sounds like you're reading my lesson plans or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, sitting in a fantastic art room. But it doesn't matter. That could be in geography or history or mathematics. Let children innovate and they will be creative and they will sort the world out. Um, driverless cars. If you'd said that to me in 1975, you know, people would have said you're a madman. Sure. Now in Dubai, I don't think it's that long until we'll see driverless cars. Um, and I can't even begin to imagine what the world will be like in 2030. My pitch to the community is let's make sure it's a better one. Okay. And I think that, 
that's an interesting thing, and I hope everyone who's listening from the Talim family can pass that message on that uh, it would be nice to have the 2030 asked to those grade two and three students and see, what's, uh, see what they have to say. I like, I like that angle. Final note, and uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure. What would be some advice for staff, new, old, anyone, security guards, who, whoever? Starting the year here, we're just mid-September. What's some advice for staff going forward? Smile. Um, I think the, the best advice I could give is even though you're nervous when you're in front of your class for the first time, even though you're nervous about starting in Dubai or Abu Dhabi in a, a new context, um, smile on the inside and smile on the outside. If, if you're a confident individual... Um, if you contribute to your school, if you're a respectable citizen, um, then th- you will be happy in your job. Your principal will be happy with you. Um, your CEO will be happy with you. It, it, it's, it's actually ironically how we began the podcast, that if we can have happy classrooms and happy schools, then that positivity will go out into the school community. And when you step through the gates of a school community or a primary block or a games hall or an art art, uh, laboratory or a uh, classroom, then that happiness and positivity will reach the children. Um, And when you see children learn and see children challenged by their learning, then the the whole classroom lights up and the whole school lights up and you know as we talked about 2030 hopefully the whole world will light up so smile and enjoy yourself life's too short there we go thank you alan thank you everybody for listening i'm your host mark ryan and i will catch you next time see ya